Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of New Hope Baptist Church, here on October the 16th. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, if you would, Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read a couple verses and have a word of prayer, if you would. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkali, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, and Hanan and I, one of the brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left in captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left in captivity there in the providence are, are great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Dear Father, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. I pray, dear Father, you will help us as we go through your word today, and that you will meet each one of our needs in us reading your word, Lord, and you would just show us what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here in the book of Nehemiah, uh, this, this uh, gentleman was uh, in Babylon. He is one part of the remnant was carried away into Babylon. But his heart was still in Jerusalem. He became a cupbearer, a high position in that day to the king, his trusted position giving the, the, the cup of wine and whatnot to the, uh, the king. And, and uh, he, he was very trusted and regarded highly and in a very high position in that uh, royal court. And when these gentlemen came back from Jerusalem, he wanted to know how it was doing. And when he heard, man, the gates are burned with fire and you know, and and and, uh, and, and just uh, the walls are broke down, and the people are, you know, they're, they're just uh, in great distress. It, it describes it as here. And when he heard these things, he just broke down. What do you think he did? Last verse it says, doesn't it? That he he mourned. He mourned. But he didn't stop there. He fasted and he prayed. To who? God. Not the gods of Babylon. No, no. He was a follower of God. And he fasted and prayed for his people and for what was going on. That is the very first thing you do, isn't it? Are we praying for our people these days? As I look around at my poor country, as I look around at what could be done in my church, as I look around to the Christian community as whole, I see some great distress. I really do. A country that used to follow the Lord and all the moral walls have been broken down. And where people regarded God 
They do not. They do not anymore. So we throw our hands up. We just mourn. We just get beside ourselves with the situation and throw our hands up. And what are we going to do? Now, I think he has a, a good beginning here to what he did. What do you do when things look hopeless? Well, you do a couple things, I believe, that he did here. Number one, he fasted. He mourned, but he fasted. Getting yourself ready. In worship of the Lord. And he prayed. He talked to God about it. Next couple verses has an interesting thing. It said in verse 5, and it says, And I and said, and he's, he's praying now, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth the covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive unto thine eyes, uh, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayers of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, in the day, the night, and the children of Israel, the servant that confessed the sins of the children of Israel, that we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. He repented. He repented. He not only mourned and he fasted and he prayed and he repented. And even recognizing what was going on with his own, asking God to forgive them. I think sometimes we forget the very simplest of things, don't we? Repent and pray. It's so important. I think that um, when we get to this point in our lives, when things look hopeless, when it touches our hearts, then we need to sit down and spend a little bit of time with the Lord. We really do. And repent and pray. He also wept. Did you notice that? He also wept. In verse 4. I don't see people do that much. I used to see people at the altar weeping. Not just for themselves, but for others. Or in a prayer meeting. Weeping. I know you don't always have to be all, you know, showing your emotions. Everybody is, especially guys, right? We're not supposed to do that. But I tell you what, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Psalm 126, 6, it talks about, so in tears shall, or not, that's not the one. When you, when you weep, that you'll bear precious fruit, bringing your sheaves with you. There is that one, joy comes in the morning, right? It's like that song, <laughs> weeping. I tell you, we need to show some emotions. I think sometimes we become emotionless. 
I know I'm not a Pentecostal. But I tell you what, sometimes I think they got it on the ball when it comes to a little bit of emotion. Right? God moves in. I'm telling you. We need to show them so some emotion. Do you feel bad for people that are not saved? How about for those Christian brothers and sisters that aren't serving the Lord? Do you weep for them? I hope so. He also fasted. How many of us fast? How many of us pray? He prayed and he repented. We go here to chapter 2. He didn't just do that, though. He put feet on his prayers. We get into chapter 2. He starts talking to the king. And the king, in verse 2, sees that he is, uh, it says, sorrow of heart. And it says, then I was very afraid. He's not supposed to show that. He's supposed to do his job. He's trusted to do his job. And it says, and, the, and said the king, or excuse me, and they said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should I not my countenance be sad when the city of my father and the sepulchers lieth in waste? Skipping to four, and it says, and the king said unto me, for what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to God of heaven. How fast do you think that prayer was? It was silent probably in his heart. Lord, help me. Because <laughs> the king could have had him killed. Demoted at the least, killed at the worst. But the king actually asked him, what do you want of me? And then he goes on to ask the king to allow him to go and repair the wall. So how long are you going to be? Enough time to do that, take care of that wall and those gates. And guess what happens? The king let him go. So what did he do? He put feet on his prayers. He risked his life. You might not really get that in there, seeing that. But it's reason why he was so afraid. The king had never seen that in him before. But it was written all over his face. He put feet on his prayers. No matter what the cost. Are we willing to do the same? He gets there. They got a lot of enemies around. We're not going to read all these verses, but in chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, he and some men go out and survey the damage. They look around at nighttime. They see the damaged gates, the burnt gates and the broken down wall that had happened in the siege when Babylon destroyed them. God used them to correct his own people. He didn't just leave it that way, though, did he? No. He prayed. He fasted. He repented. He wept. He put feet on his prayers and asked the king. And now he's surveying the damage. Why? He needed to know what he was going to do about it. He made a plan. What's the plan? You just build a wall. Not with all your enemies around you don't. We get into chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20. We find out why he was there at nighttime. When, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and, and Tibi 
the servant of Ammonite and Geshem and Arabian heard it, they laughed at us and scorned and despised us and said, What is it this thing that they he do, that you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build, and ye have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. He, although had opposition, they got busy. Now it wasn't just those men. Everybody in front of their own place built the wall or the gates that were in front of them. You get, we're not going to read all this, but in chapter three, you go, and next to them, and next to them, and next to them, then after him, and after him, and after him, and they all started to build the wall. They all started to build the wall. But all their enemies started coming around. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that what happens? I even think with our my own church, there are people without our church that with their mouths are trying to destroy it. Sometimes it's disheartening. What do you do? Well, when you pray and fast, right? You get busy and you keep going. And you build the wall that God put in front of you. Did he put a Sunday school class in front of you? How about he laid on your heart that you need to mow the yard or he laid in your heart that you need to do some kind of work in the church? Or you are a prayer warrior extraordinaire. What did God put in front of your plate? What does he have for you to do? You aren't supposed to just be a pew warmer, although that's important to be there in your spot in your church. But God has a portion for you to build. Yes, he does. Well, what did they do when their enemies came around? We go here to chapter 4. Chapter 4, we start down here in verse 13. It says, Therefore set I in the lower places, in the wall, and on the high places, and I even set the people after their families, and their swords, and their spears, and their bows. Let's skip down here to verse 16. It says, And it came to pass in the time on forth that in the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held a bow, and the spears, and the shields, and the bows, and the, and the harbogeans. That's a coat of armor is what that is. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. And they which built it on the wall, and they that were that bare burdens with those that laid it, and every one with one of his hands wrought to the work, and the other hand held a weapon. They weren't going to let anything stop them. Their enemies saw that. And they didn't know what to do about that. What are you going to do about that? When we go to work for the Lord, you keep one hand on that Bible, my friend. That is our sword, and we need it. Our enemies are going to come after us. People want to go to, want to see the work of God destroyed. Sad to say, but it's true. 
I've been a preacher's kid all my life, and I've watched it through the years. Different people and uh, churches wanting to see other ones fail, or it's sad. It really is, or, or whatnot. I, I was watching a, a reading rather a story about a pastor up in Canada where they're trying to destroy the government's trying to destroy that poor man. Pray for him. Sad. There will always be opposition. But we keep our hands on our weapons. And we keep moving for the Lord. And we do what Nehemiah did. We get here down here to verse uh, chapter 6, rather, verse 15. Chapter 6, 15. And it says, So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month of Elo, in the fifty in fifty and two days. Record time. Fifty-two days. Now, that might sound like a long time. But they didn't have all the modern machinery we have. In fifty-two days, those people got together and they did a mighty work. They did a mighty work for the Lord. Later on, of course, they built a temple and different things. But they had to do first things first, didn't they? They had to protect themselves while building the wall that would protect themselves to finish the work. To finish the work. Say, how in the world we have such a big job in front of us? It seems like the pillars of the buildings are burnt down and the gates, and the walls, and everything's in such distress. First of all, we get on our knees. We fast and pray. How about doing a little bit of weeping? How about doing a little bit of weeping? Because we care. And then, plan. What do you, what do, you do? Well, I'll tell you what, spend some time in His Word and on your knees. And then get out there and tell someone about the Lord. You say, I've done that. Well, I hope you have. You say, it's hard. I'm not being able to win anybody. But are you trying anyway? It's what your job is. It's your job to tell them. It's the Lord's job to convict them. And it's their job to accept or reject. Never you mind anything else. You do your job. You keep your sword on your side. And you keep moving forward. What's the plan? Ah, I think the plan is the gospel, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Jesus Christ had a prayer request in the Bible. You know where it's at? You know he did this? You should put it on your prayer list. I hope you all have a prayer list. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, last verse, verse 37 and 38. This is Jesus talking. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but what? The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that when he, that, excuse me, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. That's a prayer request straight from Jesus Christ. You know, Nehemiah, no matter what, enemies, 
uh, king that he had to uh, risk his life to ask to be able to do this? To put in swords and shields and, and armor and, 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 and spears, arming, arming all the people and some working and some watching. And, and, then every, and then it got to the point where they were holding their swords and working. But they still did it and they finished the wall. I think Paul puts it another way, in a form of a race. He wanted to finish the race well. I think, my friends, we need to keep this prayer request for laborers. When Nehemiah got together, he couldn't have built that wall by himself. No, it took the whole lot of them to chip in. And they all built the wall in record time. Record time. You imagine that. And when it got, gets here to Matthew and Jesus Christ asking for laborers, we can make a dent in this world, my friend. We can make a dent in our churches, win some souls, serve the Lord, no matter what happens. It's like old Nehemiah. Well, I hope you have a good Sunday tomorrow morning, my friends. It's almost midnight here. I'm sitting here having this uh, uh, chat with you over the uh, over the internet. But I hope you have a great Sunday. Pray for your church tomorrow. Get your heart ready. Let's see the Holy Spirit do a great work. What do you think? I think so. Well, let's have a word of prayer to our Father. Just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray to our Father that you will do a great work in our churches tomorrow morning. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're going to do. I pray to our Father, you will just help us as we go through the week to serve you. In Jesus Christ's name, we love you, Lord. Amen. Well, I tell you what, you guys have a great week. Don't forget to witness to some poor lost soul, would you? God bless you.